Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Stories, interviews, and profiles of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name is Sean Davis. Joining me, as always, my wife, my partner in crime, my beautiful hostess with the mostest. Her name is... Just Jen. Just Jen. And you're along with us as we talk hope in the midst of a pandemic. You can't say it like that. <laughs> it makes it scary. It is scary. It's not scary. Okay. We shall move forward with confidence and lacking fear. May the force be with you. It is May the 4th. We're recording on May the 4th. So if you're listening to this and it's not May the 4th, just know this was what we were doing on yes. May the 4th be with you. Happy Star Wars Day every day. Do you love Star Wars? I love Star Wars. Do you really? Yeah. Really? I'm Princess Leia. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. There's only one Princess Leia, and you're not her. So you got to come up with a new name. What's your new name? Okay. I am Princess Just Jen. <laughs> Doesn't quite flow the same way, but, you know, I'll take it. I so, can be whatever I want to be because that's what I was always been told. Okay. So I, I feel like I got to have a warrior name. What would you call me if I was a Star Wars character? Sean the Sith. <laughs> <laughs> Sean the Sith? Why you got to say it like that? I don't know. <laughs> Why you got to make me a bad guy? You could be Darth Vader. No, there's already a Darth Vader. You're missing the point of the game. The point of the game is you got to create a new name for me. So what would my name be? I just said Sean the Sith. No, you said Sean the Sith. Okay, Sean the Sith. Well, that's original. Sean Skywalker? No. Ah. Uh, I what do you want to be? I don't know. You tell I, me. I, I was just expecting you with your creative juices flowing to like roll off something thought provoking and powerful, not my normal name attached to a Sith. Well, I'm Princess Just Jen. <laughs> <laughs> so you can be Sith Just Sean. Uh, all right. All right. All right. Enough hilarity. Although we have not had enough hilarity. We're going to get to joke time in a second. But if you're listening to us still after this hilarity, then uh, thank you, number one, for that. We're you can, fun. We are? Yeah. I think we are. Everyone tells us we're fun. We may not be everyone's cup of tea, though. No, of course not. Thank God. <laughs> if we are your cup of tea, or if you're our cup of tea, we want to connect. <laughs> How do you do so? You can connect with us on Hope Radio Podcast on Facebook and the Hope Radio Podcast on Instagram. We're in two places. Dos. Dos. Mm-hmm. Rolling out the Spanish. Si. If you want if you want to connect with us on other platforms to listen to us, maybe download us and take us with you right. wherever you're traveling. Yes. If you're traveling. You can't really travel right now. Well, if you're walking from your kitchen to your living room, if you want to take us with you. If you're walking your dog, going out for a little jog with, yep. with your mask on. There's many different ways. You can go to iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. iTunes. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And SoundCloud. And? And, and, and? Amazon Alexa. All you got to do is say oh. Hope Radio Podcast. Play the Hope her. Radio Podcast on Amazon Alexa. Yes. And she'll start playing our latest episode. So that's how you can stay connected cool. with us. That, that's really cool and convenient. It is. I think it's the easiest way. Yeah. Like, I like easy. I'm, Alexa, I'm simple. Alexa, play Hope Radio Podcast. I hope she just played in everyone's home. <laughs> I know, right? Well, yeah. I, I hope so, too. Yeah. All right. Hope. Before we get to <laughs> before we get to our guest, we have an okay. awesome, awesome guest coming on the show today. Yes, we do. But before we get to that, we have something very important that we have to do. Okay. It's joke time. Joke time. Sean and Jen tell a joke. Yes. And you guys got to decide who told the better joke. I always win. <laughs> no, you don't. I do. You never win. In my mind, I do. Okay. Well, you go. You go first. Let's see. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? I don't know. I'm going to keep it in the theme of being May the 4th be with you, Star Wars. Okay. And I'm also, I'm so good at these jokes that I'm going to keep it, you know, having to do with food. Wow. Yeah. I'm that talented. Wow. See. I'm impressed. You ready? I don't know if I'll laugh, but I'm impressed. You're going to laugh your pants off. Okay. Ready? Yeah. What do you call Chewbacca when he gets chocolate in his fur? I don't know. What do you call him? A chocolate chip Wookiee. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's the cutest joke ever. I'm glad you loved it. You got a smile out of me on that one. <laughs> but not a laugh. Not a laugh. But I laughed, so that's all that matters. Hey, it was a good Winner. May, May the 4th. And food, it was a good tie-in. Okay, let's hear yours. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. So I decided to take the shell off my racing snail, thinking it would make him go faster. If anything, it made him more sluggish. Oh, I... <laughs> <laughs> Is it good? It was good, huh? It was good. It was good. It wasn't better than mine. Why do I always... Chocolate, chocolate chip Wookiee. Yeah, it's not as funny as you think it is. It sounds delicious. <laughs> Doesn't sound delicious to me. Chocolate chip Wookiee? Yeah, a bunch of hair in your mouth. But the chocolate part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, you are hilarious. See, winner. I know. I love you. You're a winner. That's what I like about you is you win things. <laughs> You're I a win. warrior Viking princess win with a sword. Yes. You'll hear more about that later. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So getting on to the subject at hand, yes. we have a very, very special guest coming on the show. His name is Dr. Jay LaGuardia, and he's written a best-selling book called Change Your Mind, Change Your Destiny, The Eight Habits of Success That Will Help You Create Better Relationships, More Health, More Wealth, and More Happiness on Amazon. He's also his own podcast host. He hosts the podcast PowerPassionProsperity.com. I'm excited. This is going to be a show, Jennifer, mm -hmm. where you need to get out your pen. I've, I've got my pen. I've got my paper. I've got all my pretty pink pens you know are you I'm gonna ready. take some notes i'm taking notes are you ready i'm gonna get educated you are gonna get educated yes. and i think it's gonna be fabulous i'm so here for it should we get him on the line let's call him all right all right so i've got dr jay laguardia on the line welcome to the show dr jay how are you I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for inviting me. I can't wait to uh, share with you guys. We're happy to have you on the show. And how are you doing right now in the midst of uh, COVID? W what area of the country are you in? And uh, how are you doing personally? We're in the Midwest, the upper Midwest. We're in Wisconsin. And personally, we're doing amazing. You know, we're big proponents of health and fitness. So, you know, prepping, in other words, living a, a quality lifestyle gives you a sense of security and comfort knowing that you've got a strong immune system. And I don't worry or fear. My family doesn't worry or fear. And we do all the appropriate precautions, but we don't worry about it or live in fear. And we just go about living our day each, every day and trying to continue our purpose and influence lives in a positive way. You've written a book called Change Your Mind, Change Your Destiny, The Eight Habits of Success That Will Help You Create Better Relationships, More Health, More Wealth, and More Happiness. Who doesn't want better relationships, more health, more wealth, and happiness? And so I'm curious how, as an ULA coach, for those that are listening, that listen to our ULA uh, show that we did, ULA is about a living a balanced life, you know, in seven key areas of your, of your life. So how do you intertwine, you know, ULA and that coaching with the book that you wrote, and, and what advice could you give to people right now at this time as that, the first step to take? Where, where do they begin to reflect, to change their life. You know, it's funny, before uh, we started the interview, I'm, I'm writing a new program, a new course that I'm putting together, and I was laying out, you know, the uh, qualities and characteristics of a success mindset and those in which most of us live, unfortunately, where we're, we're not living intentionally. I've, I've used this word many, many times, and I'll, I'll be more descriptive of what that really means. And, and the reality is, is that, again, we just kind of go through life with blinders on, constantly distracted by virtually everything that exists. I mean, we're inundated with, you know, tens of thousands of messages every single day that's meant to divert us and to distract us, either to purchasing a product or feeling an emotion or whatever the case may be. And, they, and it's done really, really well. But we have to capture ourselves and almost insulate ourselves from these distractions if we're going to truly live a level of intentionality. And now intentionality means is it's living true to who you are, right? Mm -hmm. It's taking specific action every single day as it's designed so you can live to your highest self. And the beauty of that is you can make that determination any single time you choose. And you can redefine that. You know, Ula, we talk about reasons and seasons. Uh, you had shared with me you've made a big life change. It was in time for a new season for you. 
And so this can happen to anybody at any time. But the only way you can do that is be aware of what your thoughts are, what your feelings are, and then understanding where, where that's coming from. And so there is these eight habits that I learned, the eight habits of success that literally changed my life because I was one of those people just kind of head down, started a business, raising a family, and, you know, and I got way off course. And it almost cost me my marriage, it almost cost me my relationships, my kids, my business, and, of course, my health. At a time when I needed the most, when I was at my lowest, a mentor showed up. I'm not sure if he would have showed up any other time if I would have listened. Being more of an assertive and driver personality, you know, I, I just feel like I'll, I'll do it on my own. I don't need anybody's help. But I was so broken at that point. I was willing to listen to anybody. And he sat me down and said, hey, tell me tell me what's going on with you. You know, why, why, what's all the struggle that you're going through? And I, and I told him. And it was probably about five minutes, and I just, it was a very cathartic experience. I just blurted out everything that was going wrong with my life. Of course, I was, you know, outward projecting with everyone else, everything else, you know, never once mentioned, you know, about me. And when I paused, it just really felt good. And, and there was like this lull. And I thought either I put him to sleep or, you know, <laughs> he wasn't listening. And he said to me, he goes, Dave, he goes, I know what your issues are. And I said, I'm like, like, I was so excited. And he said, yeah, your life and your business are waiting for a leader to show up. And it's not you. Wow. And that was a pivotal moment in my life. Because for the first time, someone called me out. And, and it began, began a process of introspection and self-reflection, understanding that I was not the person I needed to be in any aspect of my life. And so he started to teach me these habits of success. And I started to apply those habits. And all of a sudden, I saw my life change radically and dramatically. My health improved. My relationship with my marriage was never never better. We doubled our business. And it's not accident, right? It's who we are that determines how what will be, well what we do works. So growing people grow lives, grow businesses. And so as I began to apply, all of a sudden, growth started to happen. And everywhere, opportunities started to show up. People started to show up. I just became a believer, and I just kept replicating day after day after day, a routine, a behavior, what I call my morning routine. I attribute that to my success in every area of life, and I couldn't imagine not engaging in this process because it's, it's like a close, important friend that you want to visit with every day. And So that was the reason behind the book. That was the reason behind the book, and that was the reason why I'm so uh, Dr. Dave and Dr. Troy the three of us really connected well. And even though the ULA message is similar to my message, it's not really a competitive message because it's just empowering message. It just packages differently. And I believed in what they're doing. And, you know, I was with and helping them for a while and I loved every minute of it. So that kind of gets me to the point now where, you know, I've been on my own now for a little bit and doing my own podcast and stuff. And so that's, that kind of takes us to the present moment. Thank you, number one, for sharing. And Jen was looking at me and pointed a finger at me a couple <laughs> different times because you and I, I think, are brothers from another mother. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to two Sean's here. <laughs> I like to say I'm a recovering narcissist. <laughs> about, uh, and you know, it's an active recovery. You know, you have to guard against it all the time. But, you know, about 10 years ago, I thought the world revolved around me. Very similar circumstance. Sounds like you had a mentor come along right at the right time to to kind of reflect a mirror on your life at that moment and say, this is what I see. Do you see what I see? Yeah, you know, and one of the things like, I'll give myself credit for was a level of humility. Because I think, you know, when you're broken, if you're going to have any opportunity or any chance to come from a, from a different perspective and to begin a healing process, it's got to start with humility. It's got to be an acceptance that, A, I am broken. B, I can't do it on my own. And C, you know, I need help. And that's not a sign of weakness. That's not a sign of vulnerability. And by the way, vulnerability is good, especially when it comes to leadership. It's, it's a sign of strength. And we have that backwards in our society today, that when you reach out for help, when you're looking for solutions and assistance, that somehow that's a bad thing or it, it reflects poorly on you. And in fact, it's just the opposite. I agree with you completely. So let's get into some of those eight habits. I'm sure everyone that's listening is like dying to hear, like it sounds like it changed your life. So let's discuss those eight habits and how you 
implemented them? Because I'm sure there's somebody listening right now that would love to do that themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So habit number one is dreaming. You know, as we get older, it's easy for us to stop dreaming, primarily because we get jaded by society. We get very cynical. And so we're, we're openly judgmental of our dreams. And uh, we have a, you know, a load of limiting beliefs that we begin to undermine our dreams with our own thoughts and behaviors. A lot of times that's tamped down, again, by culture. Because in, in many respects, it wants to fit us all in, a, in, in that similar box. That's not who we are. It's not who we're designed to be. We're designed to be all unique in our own, you know, our own actualization. So, well, um, I, th- I think there's something know, more to that, too, though. I think that sometimes people stop dreaming because everyone else starts to pull them down. It's, it's easier to take that dream away because you've got so many people, oh, you can't do that, or, what, what, you know, you don't have that skill, or you don't have any experience, or whatever. I think the longer you live life, the more you have sometimes people around you that feel better about themselves to pull you down. Like they don't, they don't want you to chase after it because then somehow, some way that, that makes them see, Oh, I really am in control of my destiny. You know, Jen had a little bit of that. Her family was not super supportive of her as a kid and as a young adult. And so I, I feel like that can rob you from, you know, continuing to want to yeah. dream when so many people are negative. Yeah. Would you, would you yeah, agree? No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Those people are out there. 100% agree with that. And it's one of the reasons why kids can dream so easily mm-hmm. because most, most adults will encourage their kids to dream and fantasize. It's because they're kids. But when we get older, you know, that's not the case. And we're, we're reluctant to share it because, you know, someone will tamp down on our, our, on our dreams. And who wants to do that? So I 100% agree with that. So uh, dreaming is a big part of beginning to open up the mind of what's possible. And so how do you dream? You start by you know, getting quiet and asking yourself a very simple question, what's possible in my life? And doing so, again, free of judgment, free of any limiting belief, just, you know, if I could do whatever I want, whatever I want to do it, and money was not an issue, what would it be? And that's really how the process begins. And, and so opening up, opening up that energy inside to begin to think more in, in terms of what's possible. Let me ask you a question about dreaming. Yeah. So for you, when life was at its worst, when you were reflecting about what had happened and kind of taking stock and your mentor comes alongside of you and starts talking to you about some of these habits, your dream, what was it? What was it at that time that got you to that point of intention? Well, that's a, that's a great question. You know, funny, I was loving someone else's dream. That was the issue. Oh, wow. And <laughs> that's even hard to admit now, but. I was. I was living someone else's dream. What I thought sounded good, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And and it's and that's why number two is authenticity because I had to, I had to realize who I was and what was important to me. I was going through some challenges uh, that I was you know from a past relationship I had with my father. It was lots of anger issues that I had not dealt with that was continually coming to the surface and was affecting every aspect of my life. And I couldn't understand what this anger trigger was. It was bad. And, and, and a lot of toxicity as well, too. So I, once I found out what that was, the only way it did so was becoming authentic and realizing what makes me feel this sense of hurt or rejection or loss, where the fear was coming from, which ultimately resulted in the anger. And I realized it was a, a relationship that I never dealt with, that I never forgave, that I had to work through. And so getting to know who you are and what makes you think and act the way you do. Now, your current belief systems may be your belief system, but my experience is because 90% of the subconscious mind is developed by the age of 12, which means 90% of our belief systems are formed in our early formative years which is why it's so critical to really look at and examine what it is that we are exposing our kids to during those developmental years because it will stay with them forever. Sometimes a, a simple innocuous comment from a grandmother uh, to a grandchild, you're, you're looking a little plump there, you know? In their eyes, it's something so non-threatening or was, was not meant to be harmful. But in the child's eyes, hers, that was that. That starts beginning with eating I mean, it's really something as simple as that. That exposure to influences and beliefs in, at such an early age begins to form our own belief system. And unless we take stock and review and look at those and say, okay, do the beliefs I hold, are they mine? Or 
Are they from my mother, father, teacher, and preacher who shared with me their beliefs and I accepted those beliefs as mine without really assessing, you know, if, uh, you know, they, they resonate with my current value system. So, and, I th- and I think that's uh, especially that- challenging right now in the age of social media because there's so sure. much example of lives that are out there that somebody goes, well, look at how many followers they have, or look at how much notoriety they have, look at how much, you know, and and so I think that there can be a a really difficult time for some people to really, quote unquote, be authentic, to really search themselves and understand what they really want versus so many millions of examples of other things that society lifts up. And some people think that's what they should be because that's what society praises or covets or whatever. Sure. Because it, it acknowledges notoriety as, as opposed to authenticity, you know, you're right. So value is often judged based on the number of likes or faults that you have of worth. And gosh, that's a, that's a destructive and, 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 and a really, uh, you know, again, it's, it's a very destructive way to live. So, but the, again, the way you do that is by is by that introspective time yes. you take to kind of be reflective. So number one is dreaming. Number two is be authentic. What's number three? Yeah, number three is mentors. As I mentioned before, associations are so critical as it relates to success in life. Who we surround ourselves is what we become. One of the things I sign off on every one of my podcasts is we are the sum of the five people we surround ourselves with. So choose wisely. And I always appreciate the people who choose to engage in our community. So having people who can mentor us, who do so in a non-judgmental and a loving way, but yet will be honest with us and can, you know, really have our best interest in mind. And then also, of course, being coachable, which is another key element. So there's the mentor and then there's the mentee and the mentee needs to be coachable. So this is a real key component to success. And I think coachability is malleable. In other words, I was far more coachable when I hit the bottom than I was when I hadn't hit the bottom. And it sounds like you weren't as coachable until kind of life stripped everything away from you as well. That's very true. And, you know, the interesting thing is I've been investing in coaching ever since. So 25 years investing in coaching. Every year I've had a coach. Uh, Sometimes I change coaches, but it's the only way I know how I can continue to grow and learn is I have to learn from people that are already doing things that I want to learn how to do. How do you, de- I was just going to ask you how you defined an ideal coach for yourself. Like how, how would somebody figure that out? Is it business? Is it leadership? Is it entrepreneurship? Is it faith? Is it, how do you find a good coach for where you are right now at your stage in life? Well, I mean, depending on what it is that you want to learn and improve in your life is find somebody who's already doing it and ask them either it's likely they may have a coach or know of somebody or perhaps they'd be willing to. My experience is successful people are more than willing to reach and help out someone else because typically they've had help along their path. So that's the easiest way to do so. My experience also is too, it's just, I don't know, when I put it out there that I want to attract a new business coach, or if I want to attract somebody that I can learn how to play an instrument, it's like those people show up in my life, you know, and, and it's, again, when I get back to the original comment, one original comment that I made when we started the interview was intentionality. So my intention is, is to attract that person who can help me on my path in this area of my life. And it's remarkable time after time after time again, that's what happens. I love that. I think that that is awesome. I agree with you. I think the the more you put out there, I want this, I need this. You know, for me, it could be through prayer. For it, it could be just writing it down. It could be, but some sort of of intentionality to the objective. I need somebody to do X or Y. You know, I think this happened for Jen and I because when I started the podcast, <laughs> you, you know this story, right? That I'm going to share. Yeah. So when we started the podcast, <laughs> she she thought I bit off more than I could chew. You know, and so we we get down. She's all, "Who are we going to have?" And she's a planner. You know, like I'm a I'm a oftentimes when it comes to certain things, I I like to wing it. Like I'm just like, just, you know, sometimes just show up. Yeah. I just, sometimes just taking action for me is like the biggest hurdle for most people, you know? So like to me, I just, I need to move first and then figure it out later kind of thing. And so, uh, she said to me, 
you bit off more than you could chew with this podcast. You know, you don't have enough guests coming on. Did I and sound I, like that? Well, that was kind of the gruff version <laughs> of you. Maybe, maybe that was when you were waking up in the morning. Scaring myself. Yeah. No, she's like, you bit off more than you could chew. And, and that, that upset me. I, that nothing, she knows how to motivate me because nothing riles me up more than when she says I can't do it or, or she doesn't say that, but like <laughs> you bit off more than you can chew. And I'm like, I'm going to prove you wrong. And so I reached out to everybody. But the, the point of it is, is I set this intention and I said, I feel like I had to start. And once I started, God was going to help me show up and that the guests would come and that I wouldn't have that problem. <laughs> and so I had this intentionality. I had this focus that, yes, I'm going to send it out to the universe and the universe is going to show up and going to respond. And we are going to do this every single day. And have I, have we done it? Yeah, we have. It's, it's funny because, uh, you did, I would ask you every single day, well, who are we talking to today? And you'd be like, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, this is not going to be a very great show if you don't know who's going to be on the show. And he's like, I prayed God will provide. That's what he kept telling me. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to show up and see, you know, who happens to call into the show. So, yeah, every single day he's provided and we've had a guest to talk to every single day. So look at what happens when you send it out, right? sent it out there. (laughs) That's wonderful. Yeah, I know. I'm a lot in the same way, in, you know, obviously, Sean, it sounds like we are brothers from another mother in a sense. <laughs> I, you know, in the same way, you know, it's like, you know, I, I'm always the ideas guy, and then my wife gets freaked out because <laughs> then she has the execution side of it. Yes, that's exactly. He's like, you need to tell your Instagram followers. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to tell them unless it's really a thing, you know, like I have to make sure it's yeah. a thing first because I don't want to let them down or, you know, not really show them that we're doing it. Yeah, she, uh, she did say that. And I think that's fair. Going back to your point yet, I'm the same way. It's like I full steam ahead, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm just, and there's like carnage and a wake behind me, you know, it's like Jen's picking up the pieces and wake. She's a planner. Like she, she, she plans down to what meal she's going to have the next day. She knows her snacks. She knows when she's going to wake up and what her workout's going to be and how her day's going to be. And I'm, I, that's hard yeah, for me to Sean look that way. Sean doesn't plan anything. <laughs> Drives me nuts. <laughs> That's why you guys get along so well. Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Opposites attract. <laughs> That's for sure. So uh, what's habit number four? Gratitude. You know, I tell you, again, as a, a, a funny story, say, my wife and I met in chiropractic school, and I'm from New York originally. She's here from Wisconsin, and that's how that's how a New Yorker winds up in Wisconsin. It's not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you end up in a flyover state for some other reason other than choice. That's usually it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. It's it's a beautiful place. I'm I'm glad we you know we we uh, or I made the decision ultimately to stay here because she wanted to stay the whole time. But anyway, um, you know when we first met again, I was talking about the anger issues and I was very negative, grew up in a very negative environment. So when I look at the guy I was then compared to now, I asked, I said, you know, why, why me? You know what I mean? Like, cause you know, you, you could have probably had your pick of any guy you wanted. And she goes, she goes, there's two things. And I said, well, what is it? She goes, she goes, I saw potential. I said, okay. Said, all right. That's a good thing. I proved you right there. And I said, the second, she goes, your boy's good luck. So I said, all right, well, good. That's good. I can go with that. <laughs> so, the point being is that the transformation from that toxic, angry guy started with gratitude. Being present in gratitude, you know, it started out just by identifying the things I'm thankful for. But now gratitude is literally, it's an energy, it's a vibe that I can literally tap into within seconds if I feel myself moving off course. And that's finding gratitude literally. And this is, this is not a throwaway line. I absolutely mean this. Finding gratitude is absolutely everything in your life, even the most horrific thing. And you say, Jay, how can you possibly find gratitude in the most horrific thing? And I'll answer the question simply by saying, it's not easy. I'm not saying there's a magic, you know, bullet or, or, or potion or solution. It's very, very difficult. But the more you do so, those negative experiences become less negative. And you literally begin to see opportunities in each and every situation. So, you know, one of the things I always said in our business is there are no problems. There's only solutions. Every problem in this universe has already been solved. Also, you have to figure out what that solution is. So if we come from a solutions-based mindset, guess what? We're going to find the solution. So 
so and and gratitude, like I said, is by far the most powerful next to love. It's the second most powerful energy in the universe. But from changing a negative person to a positive person, gratitude's it. I love that, mm-hmm. and I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that you and I are very similar that way too. I do find gratitude in some of the most challenging circumstances, but I think it makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the world to you, to how you behave. It think, makes all the difference in the world to how you think and and how you move forward. And I think it makes, from a, from a spiritual or faith perspective, I think it makes a huge difference. When you're grateful, even in the challenges, even in the fire, in the valley, when you're grateful there, it, it, it just, there's something that happens. It, there's, a, there's a shift in how you view the world and your problems and your circumstance. And, um, and I think that's one of, the, one of the keys to happiness mm-hmm. is living in gratitude. Yes. You know, being grateful for the things you have, not lamenting what you don't have. Yep. And Sean, that's how we get through individually, collectively, as a society, through the challenging times we're going through right now. If someone was to say to me, Jake, tell me one thing I can do right now to help me get through this so I can uh, ensure that I come out the other side at least whole or a better person than I was before, is find gratitude in every moment of each day as you're going through this. And I guarantee you, as the sun rises in the east, that you will be, you'll get through this just fine. Yeah. You'll be a better person than yourself of it. Perfect example is let's say somebody's lost their job. Instead of lamenting, I don't have any money coming in, I don't have any income, to actually take a walk outside and see the seasons changing, to view the fresh air, to be able to spend more time with the family, to be able to, you know, work on your fitness, let's say, or to, I mean, like you can be grateful even in the adversity. And I think that's so challenging sometimes for some people is to look at the positive side of the situation instead of the obvious negative side. You know, it's interesting. Our Paleolithic ancestors are literally wired for fear. And so as I was studying this, you know, it's just, you know I, I've been on the pursuit to understand how the mind works my entire life because mind's really complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I really needed to study it. And, I, you know, I've got some incredible mentors and people that I follow. And, but anyway, so they were talking about how the Paleolithic ancestors were wired by fear because they were under constant threat for life and limb. And the fact also is, is they didn't live very long because if you get injured, an infection is going to kill you. You're being hunted by predators. We don't, we don't have the, the modern tools that we do today. Obviously, the elements. And God knows, it could go, you know, you can go a week or two before you find food. So they were wired into this. In other words, the fear has been passed on through thousands of generations. It's wired into our genetic makeup. And again, unless we're intentional and understand where that fear is coming from, but more importantly, choose a different emotion because you can. Emotions are based on choice. You may feel the fear, but you can choose to feel something different, you know, once you acknowledge where the fear is coming from and acknowledge that 98%, this has also been studied, it's just not a throwaway line, 98% of all fear will never come to, re- to reality, what we fear about, what we worry about. And put you know, and, and create anxiety about in the future it never happens. Wait, can you say happen. can you say that again? Jen, <laughs> Jen needs to hear that. <laughs> oh, ninety eight. Yeah. She uh, she's she's the one that you know when it talks about things that she fears, like she she automatically, no matter what, if she hears a siren or, or anything like that, she's like, one of, one of my kids has got an issue or there's a problem or whatever. <laughs> like she just, like she worries about ax murderers and she worries about stuff that doesn't hey, even that occur. Can happen. I know. Getting but, carjacked, getting struck by lightning. <laughs> like stuff that I, like, I'm like, how do you have the capacity to worry about yeah. that? Like I worry about like real stuff, like business stuff, you know, house, I got five houses I'm trying to flip right now. And, you know, we can't make any progress. You know, I worry about that kind of stuff, but the stuff she worries about doesn't even occur to me. Sasquatch eating me on the trails. <laughs> yes, she, she does that as well. But hey, one, one other thing though, before we, before we move on, going back to it, we're high school sweethearts. And so she, when we started dating, I was 18, she was 15. And she still to this day calls me a nerd. You know, she says, you were a nerd at the time. And I said, I was a nerd, huh? And she says, yeah. And I said, so why did we start dating? She's all, because I thought you had potential. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's funny. Oh my God. Yeah. Those exact words. Like, he's like, why are you dating me? Like I was the cheerleader and, and he was like the total nerd, the smartest kid in the whole school. And he, he did, he'd be like, well, why are you going to date me? I'm like, I just, I see potential. I so. was a, Hey, I was a nerd with a mini truck. How many nerds yeah. had a Badass mini truck. You were still a nerd. What? You were a nerd with a mini truck. Oh, jeez. That's okay. <laughs> but all my friends used to be like, why are you dating him? I'm like, you just wait. And so now it's kind of like the joke. I'm like, yep. <laughs> so I did good. I, he, he had potential. That's a funny story. Oh, my gosh. That's too funny. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's move on to habit number five. What's number five? Values. Core values. The number one source of stress in anyone's life is when we live incongruent to our core values. The unfortunate part, most of us are not are not aware. In other words, like there's a few core values that are inherent, like love and safety and uh, and community. Um, those are literally core values for our human condition. But everything else is either learned or acquired over time. Let's say my my top three core values are faith, family, and fitness and do nothing to renew my faith or to expand my faith or, you know, and my second core value is fitness. And, you know, I'm eating, a, you know, take out foods all day and I hardly ever exercise. So I'm living in congruent my core values. So that's going to create literally a cortisol and emotional response, which is going to create more uh, what we call a sympathetic dominant response, which literally causes your body into disease mode. Now, maybe instantaneous, not instantaneous, but over time it will. So we have to constantly assess and reassess. And I recommend at least annually is to write out your core values list. And it should be based typically your top 10. And you can do this personal core values. You can do it uh, professional core values. But I like to do a, a, a complete list, top 10 from the highest priority to the lowest priority. And then the other step is to assess and ask yourself, how congruent am I living in this core value on a scale of zero to 10? And if you're a, let's say a four, let's say again, I'm only exercising once a week and you know, I'm not eating right and, and uh, I'm not practicing good fitness um, lifestyle habits. Then I know that if I set goals in this area with the right action steps, if I can take this to a seven, it's going to be a very productive year, which by the way, habit number eight is goal setting. So, if we can then set goals that are based on our core values, A, we have leverage, B, they're of our, of our highest value system. So therefore, it's something we will work towards. And, and then that's how we continue to grow and improve personally and professionally. Love that. I agree with that. I mean, being incongruent is the is one of the more challenging states of, of being. When you feel a conflict between who you are and the decisions you're making and they don't align, that creates an immense amount of, of conflict, stress, anxiety, etc. So I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, so what's number six? What's habit number six? Meditation. So I got to tell you a really powerful story. As I mentioned back 27, 28 years ago when I was really, really broke, I was going through uh, a major depression at the time. And I bought into the old notion that depression was uh, a genetic issue. You know, my mom had it. My grandmother had it. So, you know, I was the unfortunate one of the four kids. And, and you know, I, I got depression, quote unquote. Well, I know that doesn't exist. And anybody who believes that it's genetic, all you have to know is Duke University in 2007 said that uh, depression exercise is far more is a better treatment for depression than antipsychotic medication. So the point is lifestyle and behaviors and thoughts is what can throw us into depression. So it's not something that you're just going to come down with like <laughs> like the flu, okay? So I was in a major state of depression and I was agoraphobic with men. I didn't want to go out. I mean, I, I, I was having panic attacks. I would literally run out of my office, you know, thought I was having a heart attack. It was, it was bad. It was not a good place to be. And I remember one day, my wife, just to get me out of the house, do something constructive, she said, because I used to love to read to my daughter before, you know, putting her to bed. And she said, let's go buy Elise a new book. And uh, I was like, no, you go. You go you will buy it. I'll, I'll stay here. And she goes, no, you're going to come with me. So the three of us got in the car. We went to a Borders bookstore. And as soon as I walked in, literally, I tell you, I was drawn to the area of the bookstore. I mean, literally, it was pulling me. And mm -hmm. Something was telling me, you know, obviously it was, I, I realized later it was 
because they teach me I, I needed to go to this section. And so not at the top of the book rack, not the first book rack. It was the third book rack at the bottom shelf to the right. And up there was a, uh, remember, it's 1992, it was a cassette tape of Deepak Chopra's Mindful Meditation. And I heard about meditation. I even knew some of the physiological benefits of meditation. I picked it up, I bought it, went home, and I started to listen to this, and I started to apply it every day. And, and it was a life changer. Literally, I, I really give meditation the credit for saving my life and saving my marriage because it literally began to rewire my, my brain. So it really kind of worked your mind through this process. And so I've been meditating ever since. And again, you know, you're probably like this. Wayne Dyer said that, that God speaks in only one language, and that language is in silence. And we're, we are not in silence really at all, you know, and, and some just not enough. And so we have to get silent. We have to go to that place within and just get quiet and listen to the voice within, get connected with that higher power and really, you know, begin to listen to, again, what your heart desires, what's at the core of who you are, and magic begins to happen. At the very least, again, from the physiological standpoint, people who regularly meditate have lower incidence of heart disease, lower incidence of cancer and diabetes and, and less cognitive dysfunction as we age. I mean, there's really very little that meditation doesn't do to help the overall body. It enhances and strengthens your immune system. The work Dr. Joe Dispenza is doing now on meditation and healing cancer is over the top. I mean, like this stuff is like cutting edge kind of stuff. And so meditation, uh, long story, but uh, meditation is uh, number six. I think it's a great story. Mm-hmm. I think it's a I uplifting. I love meditation. Yeah. Yoga, meditation, all that stuff just to kind of silence my head and my mind. I love it all. Jen says her mind works 20 times faster than mine. <laughs> so that's why she needs that stuff. It does. <laughs> Success habit number seven is what? You said affirmations? Affirmations. Affirmations. Correct. Correct. Give me an example of how that works for you specifically. Are you one of these guys that when you wake up on your mirror, you've got 10 things that you say to yourself every day or how does that work for you? Uh, it's a great question. Right now, as I'm looking at my computer, I've got maybe eight or nine right here. And then in my journal, I have a bunch of different affirmations for different areas of my life. So the average human being has 60,000 thoughts per day. Now, don't ask me who counted them, but uh, I can verify that it's 60,000 thoughts. I think Jennifer has like three times that. (laughs) I do. It could be. Well, yeah, well, you know, some might just work at a higher level. <laughs> See? Don't, See? Oh, no. Thank now, you so much. Now I've gotten validated. somebody that has actually validated her. Now you're I'm never going to hear the end of it. You're the second person that has validated me. So I, I think I'm winning this one. <laughs> well, you know, the flip side of that, Sean, if she's having three times the amount, how many thoughts are you and I have? Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. We're, we're just walking around in some dumb stupor. I'm having all of the thoughts. <laughs> Winning. Well, I get all the thoughts. And she, she uses all the words, too. I mean, this, I this woman I love, she is a talker. Like, she, she has to talk to think. So there's a lot of, you know, in addition to the thoughts, there's a high volume of auditory words coming out yeah, of her mouth, too. I do. I have to hear my thoughts so I remember them. That's all. <laughs> well, it sound, again, sounds like my, my wife. And we finally got to the point where she said when, she goes, you don't always have to fix my problems. She goes, sometimes I just want you to listen. <laughs> okay. Duly noted. So shortly thereafter, you know, she, she's thinking out loud, working through whatever. And I'm listening. I'm intentful. I'm wa- listening, watching, and and it wasn't like I was distracted or you know not present. And, and she looks at me. She goes, "And you've got nothing to say." <laughs> You're supposed to know when we're what we're thinking. You know. Yeah. Sometimes they you, want you to listen. Sometimes yeah. they want you to solve the problem. Sometimes you know, we're You're asking, supposed to know when yeah. each applies. Sometimes we're actually asking a oh. question. <laughs> oh my gosh! I just I just bust out laughing. I'm like. Okay, so now I'm supposed to guess when you want and when you don't want. Okay, yep. I say, no, so. you're supposed to ask yeah. one of those clarifying questions. Is this one of the times that I'm supposed to listen, or would you like help solving the problem? 
Well, you, you know what it is, John? I didn't want to ask the clarifying question because I wasn't sure she was done. <laughs> that's a, that's, that's another right. challenge in and of itself, recognizing when they're done. <laughs> so yeah. true. So you've got so, you've got seven or eight affirmations on your computer, and so like, what do you what do you affirm? Is it is it your belief in your future destiny? Is it your current status? You give me an example or two of your daily affirmations. Well, to to complete the thought as far as the uh, the amount of thought, eighty percent of the thoughts that people have on a daily basis are negative. So, eighty percent of the time, we're speaking to ourselves in disempowering messages. Again, you know, which create that loop, that limiting belief loop. And so we become a slave to those limiting beliefs. So through the, the power of meditation affirmation, breaking those and building new ones is what we're looking for. So, I mean, let's just say from a mindset. So one of my affirmations is and that uh, I So you always start an affirmation with I am. Mm-hmm. And interesting enough, Wayne Dyer who is a, a mentor, I met him a couple of different times, but he talked about, I am, you know, I am that I am is the way you open up your heart and your mind to God. So when you affirm I am, you're declaring to God what it is, who you, who that you are, who, who that you are becoming. And so starting an, uh, an affirmation, the one that was, that was sharing with you is I am persistent, disciplined and determined to achieve all the success I desire. I mean, it's just one simple affirmation. Again, I have many different ones as well, too, whether it's on business, if it's on family, relationship. Write down from an intention standpoint what it is that you want to change or improve in your life. Not about want or need. So when you write an affirmation, you don't want to say, I want to lose weight. Want comes from need, comes from scarcity. And so you can't create abundance out of scarcity. So I am... Again, tapped into God, which is the source of all, right? All abundance. You must start it by saying, I am. I'm becoming fit, healthy. I am achieving my ideal weight. Whatever it is that you want to create. And when you say an affirmation, so you write it, there's a power to writing the affirmation, which is the kinesthetic part, which links it to the brain even deeper. But then verbalizing it and verbalizing it out loud with emotion. It's the emotion when you say an affirmation. So as I was said before, the affirmation which I read to you or stated to you, I just stated it as opposed to, I am persistent, disciplined, and determined to achieve all my success I desire. You see, it's that emotion that literally unlocks the trapdoor from the conscious to the subconscious because it's the emotion center within the subconscious mind, again, which hardwires it into that new pattern i am with emotion out loud now sometimes you can't always do that when i first started doing affirmations i used to do them in the shower you know in the morning and everyone's asleep and my wife's like you know you you could you could stop that (laughs) (laughs) so i started to do it on my way on my way to the office you know and and on my drive to the office or walking the dog, whatever the case may be. But there's, uh, again, there's, there's a process how to do it effectively in the book that I lay out. But all this stuff that I've learned that I've shared here can change anybody's mind at any time. It just requires a commitment to do the work. And, it, and really, it's a desire to rise above mediocrity. Mediocrity has become the new norm in our society. And we have to start striving for excellence, personal excellence. Like if we're going to create societal excellence, it starts individually first, right? The best person of ourselves. And the world will then reflect who we become. So if you want to change your outer world, you have to start by changing your inner world. So I, I'm so passionate about this work. I can hear that coming through, and I, and I believe you, and I agree with you. And so I, w- I want to share something with you that has been kicking around in my head. I've got four boys, um, as I mentioned and I, I've been saying to them for the last couple of years, and my oldest now has regurgitated it several times in conversations with his friends and people that he's around, so I know it's working, but it's this, it's this concept of how powerful words are. I think words are some of the most powerful things in the universe, in existence. You know, the example that I gave him originally, and it was a, is a faith-based example, an example of, of spirituality. I said, think about how powerful words are. With words, 
God said, let there be light, that all of existence was created with words. Think about how powerful the Bible is and how specific the words are in it. Think about what we say to ourselves and what we say to others. You can lift somebody up with words or you can tear them down with words. They are singularly the most powerful things that we as people use and can wield. And that goes back to that idea of prayer. And I think it goes back to your idea of affirmations as well. Stating that I am, it's this, it's this belief. God says he is, I am Mm -hmm. that, that who who are you? What do you do? How can you do? I am, I I'm everything. I, you know, and so if you state, I am this, you know, it's like moving in that mm-hmm. faith, that declaration. Right. You know what I mean? If and you so, see yourself there already, like I am disciplined. Yes. You know, it's like you already see yourself there. You're calling it out. It's a, it's a, it's an affirmation, but mm-hmm. it's a statement. It's a connection to God. It's I I continue to believe that words are some of the most powerful things in all of the universe. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And remember, words have energy. Mm-hmm. And energy begets energy. So title of my podcast is Power, Passion, Prosperity. So it's about empowering dreams. And you do that, you know, again, by clearly defining who you are, what you're about, what it is that you want to create, and then creating the mindset to make that happen, then taking the action steps to do that. What I've learned is success is not random. What I've learned is, is that success is predictable. In fact, I've boiled it down to a formula. And humbly speaking, the, the entire formula is not mine. It originally came from Napoleon Hill, who wrote a manuscript called Outwitting the Devil back in the 30s that his wife pleaded for him not to publish because it challenged everything known to society that would have ostracized them from their status. And he really wanted to publish it, but he was unwilling, so he promised not to publish it while they were alive. It's funny, when you read it now, it's, it's even more appropriate to society than it was back in the 30s. A gal that I interviewed, her name is Sharon Lecter, and Sharon was the CEO of Richard Kiyosaki's organization. And she helped Richard build the Rich Dad Poor Dad organization. And then she left and was asked to become the CEO of the Napoleon Hill Think and Grow Rich Foundation. She found the manuscript and read it and was just blown away. We, we need to publish this. And I think I published it in 2013. I had her on the show last year or two years ago, and uh, she shared with me about the story. And it's, it's really powerful. If you have not read the book, I would highly encourage it. It's one of those pivotal kind of books that every time I give it out as a gift, everyone says, thank you so much for sharing that with me. But anyway, in the book, she talks about the uh, formula for success. And it's, uh, the formula is P plus T times A times A plus F and then plus T equals success. Now, I added the T to the end. And I'll explain to you what that means. It's, it's power. Excuse me. It's passion, right? I mean, have you ever met anybody who's successful who wasn't passionate? This doesn't exist, right? Talent. you got to have some skill. It means you have to do the work, either natural skill or you got to put the time in to, to become good at something. And then the first A is association. Spencer, who do you surround yourself with? People that can help you on your path. And then the second A is act. And it's not just about hard work. Because unfortunately, there's lots of people that work really, really hard and never reach a level of success by definition. Doesn't mean they're not successful people, but maybe the, the financial reward, you know, perhaps they would like to achieve. And then the F is faith. Now, that faith could be religious, but it's really about faith in self the faith and belief that you deserve and that you'll accomplish it if you stay the course. And then finally, T is time, is that no one can predict when you're going to experience that success. And, and I also believe that time is the great equalizer because the universe is going to test you. It's going to ask you. It's going to challenge you. Do you really want this? How bad do you want it? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to sacrifice? And I think there are plenty of people who have had the first five elements that weren't willing to put the time in. In my life, every time I've applied this formula, I've been successful, whatever I've let, you know, set out to do. And so I believe success can be predictable if we apply each six steps of this in any area of our life. 
I think that's great. And uh-huh. I, I connect with all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've touched on success in my life in several different forms. And I think that you look at that and every single element of what you talked about has to be there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that have not achieved success wonder why. And, and I think it's either they're missing one, two, three of the letters in that algebraic equation of success. And so it's been, it's been challenging for them, but I've never, I've never heard that. And I guarantee you today, I'm going to be ordering outwitting the devil from uh, Napoleon Hill. I got I got to read that. I want to see what that's all about. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> and when you do, I, I'd love to have a conversation afterwards because uh, he challenges every major institution in society. And again, it's still, it's even more applicable today. And uh, it's 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 quite it's quite compelling. Yeah. Well, I we will have that conversation. I think that this is the beginning of several more conversations that you and I are going to have because you <laughs> you you and I are simpatico. We come from similar cloth. I love it. Sounds good. It's well, it's been fun, and you know, you can tell right away you have a connection with somebody, and you've got uh, you know you've got similar interests and passions, and and it uh, it makes the time fly. And I just looked up and was like, holy smoke, we've been chatting for. <laughs> we have been. We didn't get to number eight. You touched on a little bit, which was goal setting, and I think that that's probably self-explanatory. Anything you wanted to add to that success habit? Yes, yes, absolutely. People know they need to set goals, but only 3% of adults literally have written goals. So it's really important not just to have a goal, but have it written out and documented and reviewed regularly. So as far as success habit number eight, the keys there are written goals that are specific in action and timeline, and then reviewed frequently. That goes right along with everything from ULA too. I mean, the, you know, setting out what your intention is in those seven categories of your life, and then goal setting with each one, and then breaking it up into into pieces. And I, I agree with you. There's a lot of people that want a lot of things, but not a lot of people that have the intention to write it down and to specifically mm-hmm. take action toward those things, breaking it up in smaller bits to, to show progress toward the goal. When you see that you're moving in that direction, it makes the possibility of it all more realistic. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. You know, you mentioned before about the power of words, and there's two words in in our dictionary that I I really encourage my kids to try to eliminate as best as possible. (laughs) And I use just one, and it's uh, want and try. When you you say you're going to try something, you've already given yourself an out. Mm -hmm. You give yourself an excuse not to achieve. So, even though you may not even be aware you're using that word, understand when you use that word, you're undermining your own success mm-hmm. subconsciously because you just gave yourself an L. And then, as I mentioned before, want come from, comes from scarcity. It, says you, it means you lack something, right? I want to be well. Well, perhaps you're not well now, but it is I'm becoming well, right? It's back to the affirmation. As soon as you say, I'm becoming well, you're literally changing your physiology and you're getting well. And if you had one more glass of water today than you did yesterday, you were more well today than you were yesterday. It's that simple. So want and try. Two words that most of us really need to work hard and be conscious to eliminate from our daily conversation. Yeah, it's like the Ford quote. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're always right. I was thinking it was more like the Yoda quote. Which was what? Do or do not. There is no try. (laughs) Right? And it's perfect because today is may the fourth force be with you. Yes. So there you go. It is. is. It's Star Wars Day. (laughs) Got Yoda on my mind. That's funny. Dr. J. I I think when anyone says try, it just, it, it actually bothers me. Like when, when I'm talking to anybody about, and they'll say, well, I'll try to do that. I already know they're not going to do it. So I move on. So yeah, try is like one of those pet peeve words for me. And when I catch myself saying it, I get so angry at myself because (laughs) I know better, but, but it's because I'm not being intentional in my conversation. I'm just speaking. I'm just speaking. And, And it's not, it's not easy. It's like anything else. Right. You have to be. Um, you, you have to practice it regularly. Yeah, I honestly don't think I ever use the word try. And I just, I think it's just such a trigger word for me, like when people say it. So I, I don't personally, I don't think it's part of my vocabulary. You'll have to let That's me know, great. Sean. <laughs> no, I, will, I will call you out on it if yeah. I hear you. 
I, 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 you know, now that you say that, I don't think it is either. Yeah. That's because you're I fierce. Do, I do or do not. <laughs> yeah, you're a fierce warrior Viking <laughs> yeah. is what you are. Yeah. Dr. J, you've been so much fun. You've been a great, great interview. Phenomenal to talk to. Your eight success habits. I love them. Thank you so much for sharing some time with us today on our podcast. And uh, thank you for your wisdom. And um, thank you for, for your intentionality yes. today. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's been my pleasure. I, I'm very grateful that you guys asked me to be on. And my mission in life is to inspire millions of people to live happier, healthier, more prosperous lives. So you helped me fulfill my mission today. Thank you both. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. I appreciate it. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you both. Wow. That was something. That was powerful. What would you think of our uh, interview with Dr. Jay LaGuardia? That was super powerful. I actually thought I was in class. I took so many notes. I it was it was awesome. Like if I'm taking notes, I'm really interested. Not only did you take notes, but look at this. I've got a legal size paper right here and I've got like the I whole have more thing. Notes. You yeah, look at you. <laughs> Why do you always got to beat me? It's like always a competition. Cuz I like You got to have winner. the better joke and you got to have more notes. <laughs> you got to beat me. I like to be the winner. <laughs> I don't ever like to be the loser. <laughs> when I didn't know it was a competition otherwise I would have wrote more. It's but a- I'm also I'm also asking all the questions and being the host, you know. Yeah. So I get an advantage. Why? Cuz I am distracted with other things well, too. I wrote more notes. I win. <laughs> so what was the most powerful thought that you kind of took away from that? I liked that he said if you want to change your outer world, you have to change your inner world. I, I love that. Like it's so true. Like I get that. I love it. I liked his statement about the affirmations. He told me something about affirmations that I had not thought of before, that in, that I am. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like that declaration. Mm-hmm. It's like you're telling to the universe, mm-hmm. this is me. I am disciplined. I am well. So tell, I, tell me your affirmation. Well, I'm... I haven't written it all down now, but I'm, I'm telling you, I am disciplined. You want to know mine? What? I am winner. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you. See, that's how it works every single time. Cause I see myself as a winner. Yes, you do. I am You're winner. A fierce Viking warrior princess winner. with a sword. <laughs> and don't forget that sword. <laughs> I know. I know. But uh, I, I absolutely think that that was awesome. I can't wait to talk with oh, him wait, again. Do I have one of those hats with the horns? Hats with the horn. They call it crown? No, the Viking. Hats with the horn. Oh, you want to have the actual, you know, hat with two <laughs> horns coming out of it? Yeah. What are those? If that's what you want... <laughs> Then that's what we'll get. And a sword. And a sword. Okay. I'll get you a sword too. Yes. And then and then we're going to take a picture so everyone can and see. And my name's, what is my name? Agatha? Largatha. <laughs> Largatha. You still okay. want to be named Largatha? I like Largatha. <laughs> All right. So for those that I'm don't know, we're, we, we got the whole Vikings. The right now. Vikings, you know, some, <laughs> some little uh, Viking show going on right now. That's awesome. All right, you ready for my hope quote? Let's hear it. This one is from Stephen King. Ooh, I love Stephen King. You might not expect a hope quote from Stephen King. Because he's kind of scary. He is, but here it is. Okay. Remember, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. That's from Stephen King. Wow. He's basically saying hope never dies. all that, yeah. For a guy that writes a lot of stories about people dying, it's kind of funny, right? It's not funny. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's. You did not like my hope quote for the day? No, I do like it. It's just trying to like, cause I know Stephen King. Yeah. And it just, it's kind of like an oxymoron. You know, it's so funny when you're in this situation because mm-hmm. I do the quote mm-hmm. and then I sit there and you're pausing and I can see that you're thinking <laughs> and yet your mind works 20 times faster than mine. Yet it takes you a while to get anything out. Yeah. Cause I had to process it. Oh, Mm -hmm. I process it very fast myself because what I hear it and I think about it and then I really, really try to like internalize it. Yes. And wow. See if it, yeah. That's a lot of work for. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot going on. Ten words. There's a lot going on in there. (laughs) So it's not just you. It's not just a yes, no answer. There's a lot of thinking going on. 
Well, here's what I know. I know that tomorrow we're going to have a conversation with Casey Eberhardt. Okay. And this guy's won an Oscar. He's been through some major business challenges, lost everything, recovered everything, owns an interest in a lot of different businesses. This. An Oscar? An Oscar. Like a real. An, oh, like an, one of those statues that's gold that Hollywood covets. Really? Yeah, he won one of those. Can't wait to talk to the guy. Wow. Are you excited? I'm super excited. Should we talk to him tomorrow? I love Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> should we talk to him tomorrow? I think we should. All right, we'll do it. Okay.